Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and reading today from a sermon of Charles Spurgeon about the Bible. The last time we talked about the Bible's author, now we're going to talk about the subjects on which the Bible treats. The words of the text that we saw last time are, I have written to him the great things of my law. The Bible treats of great things and of great things only. There's nothing in this Bible which is unimportant. Every verse in it has a solemn meaning, and if we have not found it out yet, we hope yet to do it. You have been mummies, wrapped round and round with folds of linen. Well, God's Bible is like that. You've seen them, these mummies. God's Bible is like that. It's a vast roll of white linen woven in the loom of truth. So you will have to continue unwinding it, roll after roll, before you get the real meaning of it from the very depth. And when you have found, as you think, a part of the meaning, you will still need to keep on unwinding, unwinding, and all eternity you will be unwinding the words of this wondrous volume. Yet there's nothing in the Bible but great things. Let me divide so as to be more brief. First of all, uh, things in this Bible are great, but secondly, some things are the greatest of all. Now, all things in the Bible are great. Some people think it does not matter what doctrines you believe, that it is immaterial what church you attend, that all denominations are alike. Well, I dislike Mrs. Bigotry above almost all people in the world, and I, I never give her any compliment or praise, but... Uh, there's another woman that I hate equally as much. That is Mrs. Latitudinarianism, a well-known character who has made the discovery that all of us are alike. Now, I believe that a man may be saved in any church. Some have been saved in the Church of Rome. A few blessed men whose names I could mention here. I know, blessed be God, that, that multitudes are saved in the Church of England. She has a host of pious, praying men right in her midst. I think that all sections of Protestant Christians have a, a remnant according to the election of grace. And they had need to have, some of them, a little salt, for otherwise they would go to corruption. But, but when I say that, do you imagine that I think them all on the same level? Are they all alike truthful? One sect says infant baptism is right. Another says it is wrong. Yet you say they're both right. I cannot see that. One teaches we are saved by free grace. Another says that we are not, but are saved by free will. And yet you believe they're both right. I do not understand that. One says that God loves his people and never leaves off loving them. Another says that he did not love his people before they loved him. That he often loves them and then ceases to love them and turns them away. They may be both right in the main, but can they be both right when one says yes and the other says no? I must have a pair of spectacles to enable me to look backwards and forwards at the same time before I could see that. It cannot be, sirs, that they are both right. But some say they differ upon non-essentials. This text says, I have written to him the great things of my law. There is nothing in God's Bible which is not great. Did ever any of you sit down to see which was the purest religion? Oh, say you, we never took the trouble. 
We went just where our father and mother went. Ah, that's a profound reason indeed. You went where your father and mother did, and I thought you were sensible people. I didn't think you went where other people pulled you, but but went out of your out of your own selves. I love my parents above all that breathe, and the very thought that they believed a thing to be true helps me to think it is correct, but I have not followed them. I belong to a different denomination, and I thank God I do. I can receive them as Christian brethren and sisters, but I never thought that because they happened to be one thing, I was to be the same. No such thing. God gave me brains, and I will use them. And if you have any intellect, use it too. Never say it doesn't matter. It does matter. Whatever God has put here is of eminent importance. He would not have written a thing that was indifferent. Whatever is here is of some value. Therefore, search all questions and try all by the word of God. I am not afraid to to have what I preach tried by this book. Only give me a fair field and no favor. And this book, if I say anything contrary to it, I'll withdraw it the next Sabbath day. By this I stand, by this I fall. Search and see, but don't say it does not matter. If God says a thing, it must always be of importance. But uh, while all things in God's word are important, all are not equally important, there are certain fundamental and vital truths which must be believed, or otherwise no man would be saved. If you want to know what you must believe, if you would be saved, you'll find the great things of God's law between these two covers. They are all contained here. As a sort of digest or summary of the great things of the law, I remember an old friend of mine once saying, Ah, you preach the three R's. God will always bless you. I said, What are the three R's? He answered, Ruin, Redemption, and Regeneration. They contain the sum and substance of divinity, are for ruin. We were all ruined in the fall. We were all lost when Adam sinned. And we are all ruined by our own transgressions. We are all ruined by our own evil hearts and our own wicked wills. And we shall all be ruined unless grace saves us. Then there's a second R for redemption. We are ransomed by the blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish and without spot. We are rescued by his power. We are ransomed by his merits. We are redeemed by his strength. Then there is R for regeneration. If we would be pardoned, we must be regenerated. For no man can partake of redemption unless he is regenerate. Let him be as good as he pleases. Let him serve God as he imagines, as much as he likes. Unless he is regenerate and has a new heart, a new birth, He will still be in the first R, that is, ruin. These things contain an epitome of the gospel. I believe there's a a better epitome in the five points of Calvinism. Election, according to the foreknowledge of God, the natural depravity and sinfulness of man, particular redemption by the blood of Christ, effectual calling by the power of the Spirit, and ultimate perseverance by the efforts of God's might. I think all those need to be believed in order to salvation, but I should not like to write a creed like the Athanasian, beginning with, Whosoever should be saved before all things, it is necessary that he should hold the Catholic faith, which faith is this. And when I got that far, I would stop, because I, I should not know what to write. 
I hold the Catholic small seat faith of the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible. It is not for me to draw up creeds, but I ask you to search the scriptures, for this is the word of life. God says, I have written to him the great things of my law. Do you doubt their greatness? Do you think they are not worth your attention? Reflect a moment, man. Where are you standing now? A poem, Lo, on a narrow neck of land, Twixt two unbounded seas I stand. An inch of time, a moment's space, May lodge me in yon heavenly place, Or shut me up in hell. I recollect standing on a seashore once, Upon a narrow neck of land, uh, Thoughtless that the tide might come up, the tide kept continually washing up on either side, and wrapped in thoughts, I still stood there, until at last there was the greatest difficulty in, in getting on shore. The waves had washed between me and the shore. You and I stand each day on a narrow neck, and there is one wave coming up there. See, see how near it is to your foot? And lo, another follows at every tick of the clock. Our hearts, like muffled drums, are beating funeral marches to the tomb. We are always tending downwards to the grave each moment that we live. This book tells me that if I am converted, when I die, there is a heaven of joy and love to receive me. It tells me that angels' pinions shall be stretched, and I, borne by strong cherubic wing, wings, shall outsoar the lightning and Mount beyond the stars up to the throne of God to dwell forever. Far from a world of grief and sin with God eternally shut in. Oh, it makes the hot tear start from my eye. It makes my heart too big for this my body. And my brain whines at the thought of Jerusalem, my happy home, name ever dear to me. Oh, that sweet scene beyond the clouds. Sweet fields arrayed in living green and rivers of delight. Are not these great things? But then, poor unregenerate soul, the Bible says, If thou art lost, thou art lost forever. It tells thee that if, if thou diest without Christ, without God, there is no hope for thee. That there is a place without a gleam of hope, where there sh thou shalt read in burning letters, Ye knew your duty, but ye did it not. It tells you that you shall be driven from his presence with a depart ye cursed. Are not these great things? Oh yes, sirs, as heaven is desirable, as hell is terrible, as time is short, as eternity is infinite, as the soul is precious, as pains to be shunned, as heaven is to be sought, as God is eternal, and as his words are sure, these are great things, things ye ought to listen to. Our last point is the treatment which the poor Bible receives in this world. It is accounted a strange thing. What does that mean? The Bible accounted a strange thing. In the first place, it means that it is very strange to some people because they never read it. <laughs> I remember reading on one occasion the sacred story of David and Goliath. And there was a person present, positively grown up to years of maturity, who said to me, Dear me, what an interesting story. What book is that in? 
And I I recollect a person once coming to me in private. I I spoke to her about her soul. She told me how deeply she felt, how she had a desire to serve God, but she found another law in her members. Well, I, I turned to a passage in Romans and I read to her where it says, The good that I would, I do not, and the evil which I would not, that I do. She said, Is that in the Bible? I didn't know it. Well, I didn't blame her because she had no interest in the Bible till then, but I did wonder that there could be found persons who knew nothing about such a passage. Uh, You know more about your ledgers than your Bible. You know more about your day books than what God has written. Many of you will read a novel from beginning to end, and what have you got? A mouthful of froth when you've done, but you cannot read the Bible. That solid, lasting, substantial, and satisfying food goes uneaten, locked up in the cupboard of neglect. Well, anything that man writes, a catch of the day is greedily devoured. I have written unto him the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing, the prophet goes on to say. You have never read it. I bring the broad charge against you. Perhaps you say, I I ought not to charge you with any such thing. Well, I always think it better to have a worse opinion of you than too good a one. I charge you with this. You do not read your Bibles. Some of you never have read it through. I know I speak what your heart must say is honest truth. You are not Bible readers. You say you have the Bible in your houses. Do I think? You are such heathens as not to have a Bible, but when did you read it last? How do you know that your spectacles, which you have lost, have not been there for the last three years? Many people have not turned over its pages for a long time. And God might say unto them, I have written unto you the great things of my law, but they have been accounted to you a strange thing. Others there be who read the Bible, but when they read it, they say it is so horribly dry. That young man over there says it's a bore. That's the word he uses. He says, my mother said to me, when you go up to town, read a chapter every day. Well, I I thought I would please her, and and I said I would. I'm sure I wish I had not. I I did not read a chapter yesterday or the day before. We were so busy, I, I, I could not help it. You do not love the Bible, do you? No, there's nothing in it which is interesting. Ah, I thought so. But a little while ago, I could not see anything in it, you said. Do you know why? Because blind men cannot see. But when the Spirit touches the scales of the eyes, they fall off. And when he puts eye salve on, then the Bible becomes precious. I remember a minister who went to see an old lady. He thought he would give her some precious promises out of the word of God. Turning to one, he saw written in the margin the letter P. And he asked, what does this mean? That means precious, sir. Further down, he saw the letter T and P. And he asked what that letter, those letters meant. He said, or she said, it means tried and proved, for I have tried and proved it. If you have tried God's word and proved it, if it is precious to your souls, then you are Christians. But those persons who despise the Bible have neither part nor lot in the matter. If it is dry to you, you will be dry at last in hell. 
If you do not esteem it as better than your necessary food, there is no hope for you, for you lack the greatest evidence of your Christianity. Alas, alas, the worst case is to come. There are some people who hate the Bible as well as despise it. Is there such a one in here like this? Some of you said, let us go and hear what the young preacher has to say to us. Well, this is what he hath to say to you. Behold, you despisers, and wonder, and perish. This is what he hath to say to you. The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all that forget God. And this again he, he has to say to you. Behold, there shall come in the last days mockers like yourselves, walking after your own lusts, but more. He tells you tonight that if you are saved, you must find salvation here. Therefore, despise not the Bible, but search it, read it, and come unto it. Rest thee well assured, O scorner, that thy laughs cannot alter truth, thy jests cannot avert thine inevitable doom. Though in thy hardihood thou shouldst make a league with death and sign a covenant with hell, yet swift justice shall o'ertake thee, and strong vengeance strike thee low. In vain dost thou jeer and mock for eternal verities are mightier than thy sophistries, nor can thy smart sayings alter the diving truth of a single word of this volume of revelation. Oh, why dost thou quarrel with thy best friend and ill-treat thy only refuge? There yet remains hope even for the scorner, hope in a Savior's veins, hope in thy Father's mercy, hope in the Holy Spirit's omnipotent agency. I am done when I have said one word. My friend, the philosopher, says it may be very well for me to urge people to read the Bible, but he thinks there are a great many sciences far more interesting and useful than theology. Extremely obliged to you for your opinion, sir. What science did you mean? The science of dissecting beetles? and arranging butterflies? No, certainly not. Uh, the science, then, of arranging stones and telling us of the, the strata of the earth? No, not exactly that. Well, which science, then? Oh, all sciences, you say, are better than the science of the Bible. Ah, sir, that is your opinion. And it is because you are far from God that you say so. But the science of Jesus Christ is the most excellent of sciences. Let no one turn away from the Bible, because it is not a book of learning and wisdom, you say, but it is. Would you know astronomy? Oh, it's here. It tells you of the sun, S-U-N, of righteousness, and the star of Bethlehem. Uh, would you know botany? Oh, it's here. It tells you of the plant of renown, the lily of the valley, and the rose of Sharon. Would you know uh, geology and mineralogy, you shall learn it here, for you may read of the rock of ages, and the white stone with a name graven thereon, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. Um, would you study history? Well, here is the most ancient of all the records of the history of the human race. Whatever your science is, come and bend o'er this book. Your science is here. Come and drink out of this fair fount of knowledge and wisdom, and you shall find yourselves made wise unto salvation. 
wise and foolish, babes and men, gray-headed sires, youths and maidens. I speak to you. I plead with you. I beg of you. Respect your Bibles and search them out, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of Christ. Uh, I am done. Let's go home and practice what we have heard. I heard of a woman who, when she was asked what she remembered of the minister's sermon, said, I don't recollect anything of it. It was about short weights and bad measures, and I didn't recollect anything but to go home and burn the bushel. <laughs> so if you'll remember to go home and burn the bushel, if you'll re recollect to go home and read your Bibles, I shall have said enough. And may God, in his infinite mercy, when you read your Bibles, pour into your soul the illuminating rays of the Son of Righteousness by the agency of the ever-adorable Spirit. Then you will read to your prophet and to your soul's salvation. We may say of the Bible this poem, God's cabinet of revealed counsel tis, where weal and woe are ordered so that every man may know which shall be his, unless his own mistake false application make. It is the index to eternity he cannot miss of endless bliss that takes this chart to steer by, nor can he be mistook that speaketh by this book. It is the book of God. What if I should say, God of books, let him that looks angry at that expression, as too bold, his thoughts in silence smother, till he shall find such another. End of quote. End of message. It's from the New Park Street Pulpit, Volume 1, Number 15, Charles Spurgeon, The Bible. Thank you so much for being with us today. And I believe we've stayed away from Scarlet Threads long enough. Um, in real time, that is tomorrow, we have our hymns selections. The day after that, we have zero. Well, I usually don't put something out on the first day of the week. But then, Lord willing, starting next week, we'll continue with Scarlet Threads, part four. I hope you will join us. God bless you. This is the Hackberry House of Chosun. And Lord willing, we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.